640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. 7.36 on a rainy Wednesday morning. We're expecting uh, brighter days ahead, brighter brighter skies ahead for the afternoon and a high of 15 degrees on this Wednesday, October 11th. And we welcome you to Think Tank. We say good morning to broadcaster extraordinaire Stephanie Smythe. Good morning. Good morning, Greg. And Mark Saunders, former Toronto chief of police who was on yesterday, gave us some brilliant stuff on uh, securing demonstrations, how we're going to keep peace in the city of Toronto. Uh, Mark, with a lot of inflamed tensions, we thank you back. Uh, thank you for coming back on with us. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Well, let's start here and, and let's start with you, Stephanie. We can't get 100 people in a room, can't get 20 in a room to agree on the Middle East. It's not the kind of thing you bring up at somebody's wedding, uh, somebody's bar mitzvah, somebody's funeral. Don't do it is usually the rule. But Saturday's horrific terrorist attack by Hamas, those who back them up, um, sadistic, cruel, like we have not seen before in the conflict, at least as publicized. So are we having, even in our communities, in the media, on TV, on radio, Steph, are we having more lasting conversations? I feel like more people do want to talk and they want to get involved and they want to foster conversation because whatever's whatever's happened the last 70 years plus hasn't worked. Mm, absolutely. I mean, the conversation is not just about the terrorism that that, you know, struck Israel over the weekend, but, you know, the historic uh, context of what has happened and what has led to this. And I think there's a focus on this for a generation they've never obviously seen and uh, a level of conversation and depth of understanding that uh, I think is going to keep propelling this conversation as long as this, I, I don't even want to call it a story. This yeah. situation stays alive because, you know, we have been hearing now for a couple of days, all of the ramifications, the question marks surrounding how this could have happened. Uh, and also the other nations now getting involved with what's happening with Israel uh, raining down on uh, Gaza. Mark, I know some people just breeze past the international news section or they they change the TV channel. Um, and uh, and I don't know that we did that as much when we were kids, but it's it's busy stuff. And the idea is, as Steph knows in the business, lead local, localize the lead. But it's hard to believe that, that this is this isn't one we can get past. I feel like everybody's talking about it and we're going to keep talking about it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I, I because as former chief, I think a little bit different. Like, I don't want more people in it. I, I want more informed people involved, people that have patience to really be informed. And, and, and that's where things get done, because life is too easy to oversimplify. And I tend to that seems to be the easiest approach for a lot of people. And when we talk about things like AI coming into the mix, where you don't even have to think to do anything, you run towards that. And, and Listen, this is a terrorist act. It was horrible. People planned and deliberated to go in and kill people at random, break into their houses, do horrible acts. And it was deliberate. It was deliberate for a long game. And it is going to be long and it is going to be ugly. And the world is not going to be the same again. And Mark, let's stay with that, because it it's never an equation of tragedies, as in, was this worse than the other? But a response to tragedies is often an emotional one. So when people invoke 9-11, I think they do it properly because it hit all of us right between the eyes. And the two immediate questions, Mark, were who did this and why and how can we stop it from happening again? And those are very valid questions to ask in Israel today. 
Yeah, and just remember, terrorism is, is, is designed to create fear and terror and cause you to change your behavior because of that. And the moment you change your behavior because of that, they win. But this is an example that, you know what, this can happen anywhere. And, and when you, you know, make any lines gray and all of this messaging and people having access to messaging, those folks that just aren't thinking right, that will side with this, are the ones that are going to enhance the chances of things happening here. So we have mm. to be careful with those words that matters when it comes to subjects that are very real, where people are, are dying and, and dying in horrible ways. Steph, I'm going off the page here, but you've had this brilliant career where you often have to make the call. How much does the audience want of a story? When are they fatigued of it? I think we all, all three of us and all our listeners sat in front of the television in February of 22 and we watched what was happening in Ukraine. And it, I know it enveloped and, and ate up good chunks of my free time and afternoons. And then we pivoted to something else because something happened in our family or we thought an economic issue is more important. What do you think, with your instinct and your knowledge, the appetite will be for coverage of of a massive military conflict in the Middle East when we talk about housing and health care and inflation and all those? These are kitchen table issues we all Mm -hmm. we all are wrestling with right now in Canada. Well, when you look, you know, if you're watching the news at all and you're seeing the images that are continuing to be played, which Mark just said, you know, they stir up emotions and they stir up feelings and, and rage and all these things that, that keep perpetuating the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ukraine is a war. This is a terrorist act. This is a, an, another level of it's all horrible. OK, in, a, in that context. But this is a level to Mark's point that this makes you think anything can happen when it comes to terrorism. They're winning in this sense, right? And so this will keep this conversation alive for a long time. And in that how to prevent this from happening again, how to, how to, you know, you don't want to talk about preparing, but understanding what is going on in that region or anywhere in the world right now. When these are the new tactics, you know, this is something that keeps this conversation alive. And it's not, you know, the lead local localized elite goes completely out the window. This is about, you know, humanity. Yeah, it feels that way. Stop talking about that. It feels that way. That's Stephanie Smythe. Mark Saunders, former police chief, is with us. We talked yesterday on the show, Mark, about security for rallies and demonstrations, but the actual security of, you know, Jewish parents sending their kids to school this morning or Palestinian parents sending their kids to school this morning. I've talked to these people and there's there's more trepidation than there was last Thursday or Friday or heaven forbid having their kid go on an overseas trip. I know there's no magic solution and it's not we cannot put a police officer. We've talked about police officers in schools many times on this station. We can't put one there just because something might go wrong. But what would help? What makes people feel more secure inside about the safety of themselves and their family? Yeah, thanks. It starts at home. You know, and, and we really have to teach our, our people that we care about and our kids that, that we can't let fear dictate our lives. Um, you know, I remember growing up looking different. And, and if, if you can't define yourself, others will define you. But also remember that we are in Canada and, and, and around the world, we are recognized as leaders when it comes to human rights, when it comes to uh, safety and security. And, and there's an obligation, really, that those institutions that are looking after their kids have to have a higher sense of, of awareness of, of what the situation is to make sure that the kids feel comfortable. And I, and I think when you put those two together, it, it's a good start. 
not a complete solution. I could go on forever. But those are the two foundational things that have to start that process, I think, for that healthy feeling again. But, Steph, you know, uh, yeah. to, that, to Mark's point, you know, I have a friend who is, has a, a child in Hebrew day school, not going to send her child there now, right? This is a real impact here. And, you know, it is Canada, but that doesn't seem to matter anywhere on the planet now. Fear is fear. It's true. And you can't, you know, you've got to educate, you've got to be aware, but there is that bottom line, you know, would you be sending your child to a Hebrew day school right now? Have to ask yourself, that's where your child is going. Yeah, I think the three of us would probably sit and uh, I won't speak for you both, but I think we'd concur. We're in a better place. There are less judgmental people than 30, 40 years ago. There are less racist people and homophobic people than 30, 40 years ago. But Mark, as you know, the the fringe elements of those just seem a lot more emboldened to act and say things and and threaten people than they did 30, 40 years ago as well. Yeah, you know, the exposure to bad behavior and, and, and on some of the platforms that uh, that have that happen where, you know, you're rewarded for, for that bad behavior uh, really starts the narrative to to change into actions. And, and, and that's what's happening. And the other factor, too, are gone into days where we would have to look for information. This information is getting pushed to us now. So, uh, again, and I, I keep speaking mm-hmm. about some of the negative effects of things like AI and what you're researching, then the other things through the algorithms will get sent to you. And, and so as kids with TikTok and all of these other things, uh, our, our babies are going to have access to this information. So as parents, we have to be aware of this and we have to be able to have those conversations and then, you know, be the adults and, and, and make sure that, that we steer the narratives that need to be taught to our children and, and not others who may have more nefarious uh, intentions. Last thought on this, Steph, is I saw an email last night from a, um, a Jewish journalist in the United States, and he wrote, just saw an email from a Jewish high school telling parents to have their kids delete TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. in anticipation of Hamas posting videos of Israeli hostages mm-hmm. begging for their lives or worse. And as Mark said, you know, um, we can censor our own content in our house, but we worry about it with our kids because they just end up pushing the button themselves. It's not me turning the television off, walking across the room like our parents would have. It's all there for them to see, and they can find it at any time, at any place, and that's what's scary. Oh, yeah, and this material, like it's already horrific to see. And, and a lot of it is coming with that call, don't look away. You know, you have to watch and witness. And, yeah. you know, it's trending everywhere. And, you know, talking about what is online right now, like a huge part of what I did in the – television career uh, was, you know, vetting video and authenticating video. It took so much time. So if you're watching a conventional news outlet, you know, at least you have the knowledge that there's been some sort of vetting in this process to get that to air. When you are watching things online, you don't know if it's real. You Mm -hmm. don't know if it's AI or fabricated. And that's the other danger. So, and then there is the very real threat that they're going to be you know, posting uh, things online, you know, horrific things with the hostages. And that's just a whole other level. So, you know, just take away those phones. It would be one of those moments if my kids were younger, it's just, I'm taking that for a while and we can just, you know, come to me and I'll explain to you what's going on. Yeah. Mark, let's get to getting Canadians out of Israel. The Trudeau government is going to airlift um, some Canadian citizens out. Uh, This offer, if you will, is open to Canadian citizens, permanent residences, their spouses, their children. I didn't read anything about common law or boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend. So maybe there will be, pardon the word, discrimination. and They've got to be discriminant based on the amount of room they have. I, you know, it, it's easy to pound on the federal government of the day when people are trapped in a country. 
But I, I, this may come across as devil's advocate. I don't know why it would be the federal government job to fly an airplane there and bring you to safety. Is it possible it's not? No, you know, I think we do have that obligation. The intent of being there was not to have to wake up in the morning and have 3,000, uh, you know, missiles thrown at you and, 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 and being in the mix of this. So mm. other countries did it. Uh, they did it before us. And, I, you know, it, it's happening. Uh, we need to get people back to their families and, 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 and then figure out what we do uh, for our part to help resolve whatever we can with this situation. There's more than 3,200 Canadians uh, registered in Israel and 478 in the Palestinian territories. And Steph, we we do this dance all the time with the commercial airlines. It's not Mm -hmm. like the federal government can conscript them to fly their planes in and out at a financial loss. But at the same time, as Mark says, there's got to be some kind of balancing act for emergency purposes, humanitarian purposes to save lives. Right. It's humanitarian. If they're Canada, they're not going to fly to Tel Aviv anymore. We can't make them fly. And you ask Canadians to register with foreign affairs when they travel abroad often, right? Why do they do that? So they know where we are. This is, you know, where we expect help from our government. And I think if you can't count on them to fly us out of a, effectively a war zone now, you know, when can you get help from your country? To me, it's almost an expectation, especially when there is no commercial way out. Uh, Let's move to uh, the two local issues, and they both sort of revolve around social media. Toronto, uh, 640 Toronto reporting this morning, many QP local leaders, rank and file members, they're going to meet today and some are going to ask for the resignation of QP Ontario President Fred Hahn. He was written about in the Globe and Mail yesterday. He was written about in the Toronto Sun yesterday. We won't go into all the specifics, but there's been definitely some um, what looks like inflaming tweets, some insensitive tweets about Saturday's terrorist activity. When you represent thousands of people, Steph, and and QP represents, there's 249,000 QP Ontario workers. I have no idea why a leader would would tweet, period, um, and almost try and speak for those people, knowing if you're in the union rank and file, you're kind of afraid to speak up and say, well, that person doesn't represent me. Of course they don't. Yeah. Talk about trying to authenticate something. I saw that tweet on the weekend. I thought, oh, QP must have been hacked. Like, there's no way this was done mm-hmm. by QP. I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I still, I saw the follow-up statement. I'm, uh, you know, absolutely, you know, part of me is furious. The other part's mortified. And it's like, what is Fred Hahn thinking? What, what could possibly be propelling this, thinking this is possibly a good idea? Stay in your lane, right? And, you know, it seems like this with others who are out there making statements on their own, and I'm sure you're... You know, you've had lots of conversation this morning about uh, Sarah Jama. Yeah. You know, it's just it, to me, it's unthinkable. I don't understand. Mark, when you represent people and especially in a public facing environment, uh, I think, you know, as police chief, maybe you had to deal with a social media post or two from uh, from an officer and you had to call them on the carpet and say to him or her, this isn't what we're about. This is not what the job's about. You don't you don't just get free speech online. You're a mm-hmm. cop. How did you handle situations like that? Yeah, I know. Heavy as a head, you know, when, when you have and you put your hand up for certain positions, there are certain responsibilities and you don't have the luxury of, of doing anything anytime. And, and this is a classic case of that. But I would say, you know, in this case, this was that FOMO, the fear of missing out. And uh, it, it comes at a cost. And, and so now you have so many people that are really upset at that. And, and again, I keep saying I, I would love a world with more informed people. Um, You know, dig a little deeper, understand that words matter. It has impact and negative impact on so many people 
and it can also mobilize people. You have to understand it can mobilize people. And that's my biggest fear is law enforcement. That's my biggest concern when it comes to safety in the areas that we live in. Steph, it's a big move for Mart Styles. I don't want to say she's damned if she does damage if she doesn't. She's going to be applauded by some on one side, um, you know, derided by some on the other side. But to be honest, that's the Middle East. That's politics. That's social media. You will not get 100 percent approval on anything that a le- that a political leader does. That's patently obvious. Right. And, but she's got to she's got to make a stand here. Like there's got to be to for credibility for all kinds of reasons with Sarah Jama. It's like you've asked her to delete the posting. Yeah. It hasn't happened to walk it back no matter what she does, though. The damage is done. And now everybody's sort of watching Styles. What mm. is her next move? Something has to be done. She's been rebuked for what she's done. This isn't the first time Sarah Jama. So, you know, Marit has to take a stand and she has to be firm on it. Uh, and whether she lets this continue, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, I was thinking by the time I got up this morning, it would have been resolved one way or another, but it carries on. Mark, what would you do if you're Marit Stiles? Uh, the exact same thing. You know, it's, it's different with law enforcement. It, it's thou shall. So um, the, the action would have been taken immediately and uh, the consequences with respect to the internal uh, tribunals would, would have taken effect instantly. Yeah. I, 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 and I suppose, as you know, right, you, you've you've been in the uh, in the political crosshairs. It's there is that concept is will will this get me votes? Will this lose me votes? And it's a shame because sometimes it's just about right and wrong, Mark. And, and I think the call here for Styles. I think it's an easy one she's getting. And here's the thing. You're getting the liberal leader, John Fraser, the interim liberal leader, weigh in. Bonnie Crombie's weighing in. And and so it's not just the Ford conservatives, Mark, that are that are kind of able to drill in on the NDP right now. It's it's the liberals as well saying a leader's got to make a call. Leaders lead. No, absolutely. And when you've got a member that wants to stand too close to that third rail, it's just not good. And again, it's not the first time either. So yeah. um, it, it should be that way. It's, think- it's fascinating yeah, go ahead, to Seth. see how people just think they're above everything else and they can just make their call in it. Well, you're dealing, you know, you're in a caucus. You're part of a party. What makes you think that your thoughts, A, need to be broadcast like that? And, and you're that important, you know, that you need to make this kind of comment in the first place and then expect no ramifications for this. Really, who cares what you think right now? The situation, you know, it shouldn't be as politicized as it is. You know, this war in Israel, you know, the way it's raining down in our political community is fascinating. And there's that big conversation. I heard someone said it beautifully yesterday. The domestic politics of the war in Israel are simple. There shouldn't be any. Yeah, there is that. There I'll is credit the, Scott Reed with that full tilt. For Scott <laughs> I mean, you can brilliant. give him credit. He's a smart dude. Um, all right, Mark, let's go into this uh, RCMP investigation uh, into the Ford government and the Greenbelt. I know it feels like ages ago this happened with the Khalid Rashid resignation. It was just three weeks ago. So this could be a costly one for the Ford government. What do you think is the most worrying thing for them at this point? Uh, I, I think that the most worrisome thing right now is going to be the vacuum effect. Uh, I've been caught in the situation. The moment it becomes a police investigation, you can't say anything. But we're in a world right now where you're not allowed to not say anything. So everyone else will say things on their behalf. Um, it, it's going to lead to a lot of misinformation because there's no uh, re- rebuttal to anything. And uh, we're going to see that uh, it'll be a bit of a feeding frenzy. At the end of the day, the law enforcement has that job to do. And now they'll be compelling to search warrants, production orders, whatever judicial authorities that are going to be necessary to get to the truth. And so we have to have the patience to let them do what they do the best and come out with a proper conclusion to everything. 
Steph, what's what's your scenario on what the Ford government should be worried about? They're not getting it. There's no election for a good two and a half years. But this has been and the NDP has been really dogged on this. This has stuck to them. It's stuck to them like glue for about six, seven months now. Well, this completely stops his ability to put the Greenbelt debacle in the rearview mirror, right? It's going to be dredged up over and over again. He's shrouded in an RCMP investigation. And that's, you know, for however how long that is going to take. The next election, 2026, Mark, how long could it take the RCMP to investigate this kind of situation? Would you even guess with your expert opinion, right, with investigations? Is this something like they're going through documents? Is it months? Is it a year? Is it more? Well, it's going to be multi-government and tons of folders, digital, hard copy, cell phones. It's going to go on and on and on, depending on the size of their team. It would be great to expedite it because it affects our province, which in turn affects our country. And, you know, the RCMP, I think, will put those necessary resources to fast track it. All right. So so let's fast track. Okay, 2025. But still, the shroud of it is going to is the worst thing. It's just it's going to always be there. And so going into the next election or not, it's going to be, you know, great political game for uh, the uh, the opposition, the NDP. And and, hey, the liberals, they're forging a comeback. So, yeah, yeah, they'll be they'll be more uh, fully armed as a team by uh, Mm -hmm. by December Mm -hmm. with with a new leader to uh, to tackle this. All right. Let's let prices are high at grocery stores, pharmacies. I saw a story yesterday about. $33 $33 baby formula that could be bought with the $120 Thanksgiving turkey last week at one of the stores. Let's get some insight into uh, personal shopping. I assume neither of you have a personal shop or you do your own shopping. I know. <laughs> you know man, man of the people, woman of the people. Steph, what's the one or two things you hate paying decent money for at the pharmacy? For me, it's razors. I didn't ask to grow hair in my face. I would take a pill not to grow hair on my face and have to shave every few days. I can't make I can't make myself look good with facial hair like Mark can. What's the one thing you'd buy that you well, can't stand by? When I had to use formula, it was it's disgusting, right? It's the cost of formula is abhorrent. Um, and obviously, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, feminine products that's just outrageous. And then makeup, you name it, practically everything. Anything for a woman seems to cost more. Let's face it. Whether you're getting your hair done or makeup or you, whatever it is, there's always an elevated cost for women, women's products. You, and that, so look, mm. this is not new to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, there should be some kind of tax credit for women. I think we're, uh, we're both in a, let's raise our, our hands and agree on that. What about for you? Yeah, I mean, same. It's uh, hair and facial products. Um, no, it, it's more it, it's more a concept. I won't pick on the pharmacies, and it, it's that shrinkflation. Shrinkflation. I, I can't stand it because it makes me feel like the distributors think that we're dumb. And so when you buy a bag of ice that you used to have, you could only carry one bag in one hand. Now you can carry three bags of ice with one hand, and it's still three ninety nine. And I'm dumb enough to do it. Maybe they're right. I am dumb. <laughs> Could be that. I'm still picturing John Tory when he was defending uh, uh, the ban on drinking in the park said, we, we just can't have guys carrying a 2-4 on either shoulder into the park. And I'm like, Mark, I've never met somebody strong enough to carry one on one shoulder without some kind of back pain later. I don't know who's carrying. I don't think John can do it. I don't know, carrying 48 full beers into the park for a, a lovely afternoon. Uh, he's got the time to do it, I suppose. Um, guys, loved having you both on today. Thanks for this. Stephanie Smythe, broadcaster extraordinaire, and Mark Saunders, former Toronto Police Chief.